Myself, Lauren and Leo, welcome to the Boo Crew Podcast, episode 385. Thank you so much for choosing to spend some of your day or night with us. Thank you for your reviews at Apple Podcasts. They are the fuel behind the show. We've conjured a few more incredible guests for the next handful of episodes. Then we're going to be back reading your reviews right here at the top and giving you a shout out. The time of release, if you're in the L.A. area, this weekend, June 2nd through 4th, we would love to meet you at Monster Palooza in Pasadena. It's a fantastic convention, a celebration of the art and lifestyle of horror. We're going to be at booth 325, and on opening night, I will be hosting... Mr. Robert England and Ken Kersinger on the main stage to celebrate 20 years of Freddy versus Jason. That kicks off at 8 p.m. I'm going to be nervous as hell. Come make fun of me. Monsterpalooza.com for tickets. On to today's seance. Let's go for it. You are joined by returning guest, the wonderfully charismatic, kind, and spectacularly talented David Dasmalchin. Unfortunately, Lorne and Leo could not make this one, so it's a rare one-on-one with one of the most prolific ambassadors of the greatest genre of all time. We catch up and talk comics, gaming, future projects, including Late Night with the Devil and Last Voyage of the Demeter, nurturing your own creativity and mental health, find out about the launch of his new production company and the work they've already done with the Belay Brothers on Shudder's fantastic Halfway to Halloween special, and a taste of what's next, plus his process and experience working on Rob Savage's terrifying opus, The Boogeyman, based on a short story by master of horror Stephen King. It's in theaters everywhere June 2nd. Episode 385 with you, me, and David Dasmalchin is now slaying. Go ahead, scream. That's all we need. Another victim crawls onto the gurney for a Boo Crew autopsy. Joining Bloody Disgusting's Boo Crew via the Speakeasy Studio is a returning guest to the show, a consummate dreamer who continually builds vast worlds for our imaginations to play in, explore, find inspiration and solace. The architect of an ever-expanding collection of some of the most unforgettable characters in almost two decades of cinema, television, and literature. He is a wonderful example of the possibilities unlocked by following one's passions. In his case, that famously led to his debut in a remarkably impactful role in one of his favorite director's projects, Christopher Nolan's Oscar-winning The Dark Knight. A love of comic books that has not only manifested an incredible trajectory as a mainstay in bringing to life both the DC and Marvel Universe, but in his own exceptional critically acclaimed horror comic book series Count Crowley. His ongoing contributions to the genre are loud and tremendous through Crowley, multiple collaborations with Fango and Shudder, creating horror host Dr. Fearless, just to name a few. He has become one of horror's most powerful and prolific advocates. You'll find him nestled in the titles of stories that have changed culture from Twin Peaks to Dune and Blade Runner and has been celebrated with over a dozen awards for shorts and features he has written himself. With uniquely original performances every time, whether in front of or behind a camera or a pen, it is thrilling to fall under his spell. His latest is based on a short story by the master Stephen King. It follows a widowed father and his two children being forced to confront a terrifying supernatural entity, the Boogeyman. 
Man is in theaters everywhere June 2nd, directed by Rob Savage. We are honored to welcome back one of the film stars, the great David Dasmalchen. Oh, yes, my man. My dear fiend. <laughs> it's so good to be back it is amongst so, it is so the good, good to see ghouls you, man. of the Boo Crew. <laughs> and it's just I, me solo today with you. It's just you. Which is I, an intimate affair. Well, there's a portrait staring at me right next to me, and I feel like we're in good company. We are, you know, we are. The we Boo are. Crew, we record in this crypt, if everyone isn't already aware, that is populated by many ghosts and uh, pieces of memorabilia from movie monsters of days gone by and it's a magical place i love being here thank you for that introduction it really warmed my soul and lifted my cold dead heart after a morning of abject abuse by my nine and five year old (laughs) just make me feel like sometimes i'm the worst creature (laughs) to have crawled out from the black lagoon so thank you for uh for that Uh, it was lovely and it's uh it is great to be back and you know how much i love your passion for uh genre and for this space and so it's always a exciting conversation and i'm glad we're getting to talk about a project that i'm so proud of which oh my I gosh. sat behind you in yes the that's right that was amazing you and the twin temple yes twin temple i was there my my great friend who's an incredible makeup artist cat bardot uh twin temple steve ag earl brown i don't know if you got to talk to earl no, sitting just down the way uh, any scream fans out there will know uh earl from the original scream as well as his many other incredible performances from deadwood to something about mary but earl uh, I've always looked up to and it was one of those things where we just connected on social media and started getting lunches together and became friends. Um, and AG, obviously one of my my best, best friends uh, and and just being there with people I love and getting to sit in a cinema packed with genre lovers of the Beyond Fest was just an incredible because I had seen. And we're talking about the Boogeyman, by the way. I had seen the film at Disney because they screen it for, you know, cast before we start press and start talking about the movie. And um, and it was in a smaller theater with just myself, my wife and a couple of others. And and I knew when I saw it that we had something very special. I knew when we were making it that we had something very special on our hands. But when I was watching it in that theater with with Eve she was so scared she had to get up and leave at uh that's a, a good sign and she cried yeah she had she couldn't sleep that night but watching it in a packed cinema oh man the screams the jolts the laughs it was that was magic that's what it's all about yeah it, it was glorious to be a part of that audience i'll yeah. tell you and go on that ride with you guys is there anything about that experience that surprised you that you you got a reaction that maybe you didn't anticipate and being able to see that the faces and hear the sounds of the audience in that room. The thing that was really striking to me because um, the, the, the character that I portray um, is a character who's directly um, central to Stephen King's original short story, yeah. the Boogeyman from the Night Shift uh, collection of short stories. And I remember as I was shooting it and as I was considering the role and as I was, you know, preparing for it, having a great deal of um, fear about many things. This role was a challenge for me in many ways. But one of the things that I was uh, afraid of just in very 101 basic storytelling, um, you know, concepts was that I had to deliver a great deal of information. I had to convey a lot of ideas And I was concerned that because it's a genre film, because it's the beginning of a genre film, 
I was nervous about, is this going to feel boring? Are people going to tune out? Um, and what Rob Savage did in constructing the very beginning, the movie opens and you're already scared shitless. Yeah. Then the movie starts and he opens it in such a way that I felt like people were already on edge. So by the time we get to this really what I would consider like a dramatic, you know, uh, uh, um, moments. This yeah. is this is not horror moments. These are just straight up like you could be watching um, a play. You could be watching Ordinary People, which oh, Rob yeah. referenced. Um, it's like the beating heart of this watching whole story. therapy almost yeah. happen. Yeah. And so watching that and seeing the way that the hundreds of heads in the theater were all leaned forward and there was this like this tension this stillness that was incredibly rewarding for me as an actor and as a person who cares so deeply about the story because my fear also was that this this work that i had to do with this character was so critical to the film quote unquote working that if people got you know, bored, distracted, it was going to really um, upset the balance of what needs to happen with the film. So once that scene was, that that very dramatic scene that I had the honor of getting to bring to life was done, I was able to sit back, relax. The other thing that always gets me and I always forget about, and it's such a critical part of the way we exist as humans, is after the major scares, the, there was, and there's so many great major scares in this film and, you know, a lot of great scream moments, the laughter, that collective laughter you get when you're in the theater and people are like laughing at themselves as well as their neighbor. That who tension they don't, release. Yeah, they don't even know the guy next to him who just had such a, like Steve Agee's down the row for me. I could hear him scream a couple times. It was so great. And then this just collective laughter. What a good feeling. Oh, it's the best. So good to be a part of it. And as Lester Billings is, like, as you said, it's canon, it's, it's what ties this version to the original Stephen King story because this this adaption goes off in, in totally different directions as much as it has in common with the original story. What kind of responsibility did you feel to honor that canon? Are there elements that King put into Lester that may not have been into the script that you brought into your homework? A billion percent. There's already this just out the gate intense amount of pressure uh, as an actor and as someone who's such a, a lifelong fan of the writings of Stephen King mm. that I'm going to now be bringing a character from his imagination to life. That's terrifying. Add to that, um, it's a character who in many ways is a conduit of information that's crucial to understanding the mythology of what's going to be taking place in this film. Supremely, uh, intensely um, uh, intimidating for me as an actor. It's like being the Greek chorus, but as one person. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to kind of bring our audience uh, along and explain to them and the other characters of the film what we're in for. The third thing was uh, the nature of Lester's suffering is so intense. And for me as an actor, I'm not a method actor. I'm not somebody that believes the circumstances that are happening to me are actually happening to me. I understand my uh, tools and my craft in a way that I love the technical aspects of being a performer and an actor and trying to manifest and recreate emotional states of being that mm. audiences will believe are authentic even if i have to do it 27 times 
because we have to shoot it from 27 angles or the sound wasn't right or the lighting wasn't right. So there's a there's an element to this to me that is much as much craft and, uh, you know, imagination as it is being. But with that being said, when you are pretending that these things are happening to you, it does take an intense physical toll because your body doesn't know that it's not really happening. So all that pressure together goes to me in my instinct when I first um, was asked to be a part of the film was like, no, I can't do this. I don't, I don't have it in me. I'm not, I don't want to go there. I'm not ready for this, but we just kept talking about it. And they seemed very convinced that, that I was the right person to be Lester, which I also found interesting because if you read the original source material, there is an element to Lester that is so authentic in King's short where Lester feels so blue collar. He feels so, um, you know, from maybe the world that I knew growing up as a kid, I'm from Kansas and he's got, uh, almost this Southern, um, blue collar, uh, rural kind of mentality, energy yeah, yeah. mentality about him. Yes. That the way you would, from just the short, imagine how he might present himself, how he might speak, um, was so different than what I was feeling instinctually about what needed to be brought to this film adaptation. And sure. as we all know, as much as we love the books that have inspired the films that we love, they're two different mediums. So something that works for the book or the story or the comic book even isn't always going to translate as well as you need it to for film. In film, you have an hour and a half to tell an immensely you know, dense story. And, and by the way, this is a huge expansion, as you already pointed out, from the short story, which is only, what, like 10 pages yeah, maybe? Yeah, um, So I, I, had a, I had an idea. Thank goodness our director felt that was the right idea. Um, and uh, I hope Stephen King approves of my uh, interpretation and my riff on Lester Billings. The emotional choreography that goes into a scene like this. You're crying, you're physically throwing yourself into the role, as you mentioned. When Lester says something like, the boogeyman comes after your kids and you don't pay attention to them, it's some, the line is something like that. It's the thing that comes for your kids when you're not paying attention. That's yes. it. That's yeah. it. What does that line in particular mean to you? What's, what's the truth in that line for you? I know you teared up when you said that line. And that line, as a father, haunted me through the the entire duration of the film once uh, that is set on and 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 we'll get into this more in our conversation but what the way chris messina embodies the struggles of being a father and yeah. parent who's failing his kids in many ways because he's unable to muster what he needs to meet them where they're at because he's going through his own pain mm -hmm. is a thing i know well i am a person who struggles with both uh you know i it, it, I battled addiction. I've been, you know, knock on wood and by the grace of God, 21 years clean and sober this week. Congratulations. Uh, thank That's you. Incredible. Mental health journey has been uh, crucial to my survival. Mm -hmm. um, 
all of that, when you break down and you study and you learn about yourself and you think about what's nature versus nurture and you go, well, there are definitely intrinsic genetic qualities that are part of my both mental health and my biochemistry and the things that have made me tick. And I go, well, now I've chosen to procreate. So I have two living beings who are two of the brightest stars in me and my wife's sky. Um, and we, I love them to death, but I know that boy did they what what have i what what have i given them um and then what is the world thrust upon them that i can't always be what what moments were they bullied what moments was was there um was was there mental or emotional um you know uh fragility tested out in the wilds of kindergarten or second grade, sure. or at soccer practice, or at summer camp. What horrifying thing did they see when they snuck into my office and started looking through my monster books that I couldn't protect them from? What nightmares are they having that I can't come in and save them from? There are so many uh, things that uh, uh, challenge us as adults, and you go, oh my gosh, these kids are so ill-equipped, um, so I want to be able to... Um, protect them but we can't it's it's irrational and it's um it's it's impossible to think that we can constantly 24 7 be there guarding protecting our kids there are times though when my own and i think about the pandemic a lot there were times during the pandemic when even though the four of us were all living in a contained house together five of us if you include bubblegum our cat there's five of us living in this house together. oh and our friend angela actually lived with us there were six of us living in a house <laughs> together but in spite of that, even though we were felt like on top of each other, there were times when the crises I was having psychologically because of the pandemic and the world that we were experiencing at that time and all of the stress of all of that, that I don't think I was there for my kids the way I really wish I could have been. I wish that I had been. And... um and that haunts me. It will always haunt me. Every mistake I've ever made as a parent, every time I've lost my cool, every time I've yelled, every time I've, mm -hmm. you know, done something that wasn't the ideal dad that I dream of being haunts me. And I think for Lester, a tragedy befell his family and he fell into such darkness because of it. Didn't have the tools or resources to do the work to climb back out and then the darkness just started to flood in and that can happen quickly it can yeah. happen more quickly than any of us realize so it's yeah really haunting and very true to even though we're talking about a boogeyman and a monster here i think it's something when people see this film that everybody can relate to oh yeah and that's that's the brilliance i think in this film is that rob savage has presented it in a way that you can paint the boogeyman the way you see it he does it by kind of holding back like the striptease of the creature so to speak so to speak right shows you little bits just enough for you to fill in the rest with your imagination which is the scariest thing any horror film can aspire to do and he he does it he makes it he happen does for it you. so well so good i mean i i really applaud rob's um courage as a filmmaker that he relied upon emotional stakes and character arcs as opposed to putting something in front of the lens because that to me tends to actually not be as scary and mm -hmm. i think everybody listening to this knows the power of the hitchcockian the shakespearean what's just off stage what's just off camera what is just in that dark shadow as david lynch was playing with a lot when you see you know 
Inland Empire thing and he was like always talking about we're going and we're not what are we not seeing what is what is just out of frame and and Rob did that in such a great way I hope a lot of filmmakers out there watch this film and take a lesson from Rob you don't need the close-up shot of your monster's face um, to get the scare from your audience it's it's so much more terrifying when you see the little scurry of the foot under the bed it's when you see best. the little elbow stretching, you know, in that dark corner and you're like, what the fuck is that? Yeah, it keeps you there. It keeps you along for the ride. And how he was saying in the uh, Q&A, because uh, if anyone hasn't uh, caught on, I went and saw a screening of this last night at the Arrow Theater, this beautiful historic theater out in Santa Monica, California here. And um, they did a Q&A afterwards. And Rob was saying on the note of what he did show you of the creature and when he showed it that while he was making the film, like literally had a chart of like how many times and what is shown in alien and what is shown in jaws and how he wanted to craft something right in between the two. And just the, the thought that goes into that, you know, you're in good hands as an audience when your maestro is conducting it, a symphony of terror brilliant. that he's, that he's planning like this for brilliant. us. It's, it's, it's so great. What would be your boogeyman? I mean, uh, I can, I can, uh, on a personal note, I can attest that the last time you were here, um, my boogeyman was descending a little bit into depression and, and the conversation we had at the time mm-hmm. had me reframe that, had me go, uh, seek therapy, uh, started medication and, and started my own personal journey through getting better because you are right when you let the boogeyman in it's it just it becomes everything it becomes everything you see if if you're thinking hopeless thoughts it be everything becomes hopeless one thing um rots the next and it's a horrible downward spiral of thought and that would be that would be my boogeyman and that's kind of what i uh put onto this creature what would be something that uh that it would have done to you sitting in that audience or does it change from time to time? It's a great question. And I'm, I am so glad for like the, uh, you know, very frank conversation that we got to have before. And the fact that you're on a journey of mental wellness. And I hope anybody who's listening right now who feels lost or feels hopeless or feels like that rot in that decay is spreading. Cause it does feel so overwhelming. It's, it's like, it's like a, um, it's like a forest fire that you can't get under control. Yeah, it's crazy. When you start to feel hopeless and you start to feel like there is no point and you're alone on this journey when even you're doing the things that you may love, like watching the shows you love, playing the games that you love, spending time with the people that you love, doing a job that you love. All of that gets, uh, you know, uh, shadowed, blanketed by this dark, you know, yeah, it's um, like a filter. Lead. Or yeah. yeah. So for me... Um, I have, I, I have several, they're, they're all related. They're all connected. Um, there is the addiction, which, you know, lives both in me genetically, psychologically, spiritually. And it's something that I, um, fortunately, you know, over two decades into my journey of recovery, uh, don't feel like I'm out here with my broadsword and shield every day mm-hmm. battling the dragon. It definitely started that way. I mean, the first 90 days of sobriety, it's like 90 meetings, 90 days. You're working your steps around the clock and you're learning a new way of life and you're learning how to exist without this thing that you thought was keeping you afloat but was actually flaying you kind of like pinhead and you didn't even realize it. Mm-hmm. So 
I, 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 I don't ever wave some victory flag. We celebrated my 21st sobriety birthday the other night, which was tricky for me because I've always felt odd about ever boasting or shooting off fireworks, but it felt good to get a bunch of friends together and be like, I'm celebrating life and I'm celebrating this day, but I won't ever wave the victory flag because I haven't ever defeated something I've learned to manage and exist with it. There, the, the the addiction to me re- is is represented. I see it in my in my mind's eye often. It's like me, but imagine me uh, completely drenched in Vanta black. There's like a void of any um, other uh, color than just like a a void, and and he's got crispy skin, almost charred, and he just is always, you know. A, a, a few rooms away sitting in a reading chair or if we're outside he's just hanging up in a tree sitting on a branch or if i'm driving he's you know on the side of the road every few miles i'll pass him and i don't live in fear of him i, I have a healthy amount of fear of him but i don't i don't i'm not quaking anymore mm-hmm. i'm not running from him anymore i've learned that he is he's staying over there and if i don't um if if I continue to use the tools and the skills and do the things that I know I need to do, um, he'll stay at that distance. The same goes for my um, struggles with um, abject depression. I'm someone who's, you know, wrestled with suicidal ideation since a very young age. And I have uh, racing thoughts and I, I you know, um, can go uh, pretty deep, unfortunately, into despair. And so a combination of working with a therapist, surrounding myself with people who genuinely love and care for me and elevate me as a person, um, working with a psychiatrist uh, and, and taking medication, um, working um, uh, through meditation and my own spiritual journey. Um, all of that sounds like a lot of work, but it's actually a great for those of you who are sitting there and just being like, I don't have the energy for that. I don't have the, I don't have the capacity to even get off the couch right now. It's, it's sometimes the hardest thing. It's just getting off the couch. And for me, like getting down on that yoga mat and doing five minutes of YouTube yoga to change the way my blood is flowing or going for a walk and then getting on my app to do some mindfulness Mm -hmm. work and then putting in the time to find somebody. And if you're, you know, struggling financially, there are resources out there. Uh, go to SAMHSA, S-A-M-H-S-A. It's a government website where you can find lots of resources, um, especially if in your community you don't have the the ability to pay for, uh, you know, therapy the way you think you could. Trust me, there are options. Finding somebody who you can talk to who will listen to you and will help provide tools. Um, that's, th- those Those are, those are the, the big things. But there's a lot of boogeymen and that's what makes a movie like this really captivating for audiences too if even if you're not a genre the genre people everybody listening to this show i just i am i will be shocked if you don't really get a kick out of this movie i just think it's such a well-made film and i think it's just so it just checks all of my boxes as a monster kid i love it but for for your friends for your you know your partner for the person you're dating for your uh you know you know don't don't maybe take Granny if she get really easily scared. But other <laughs> yeah, than that, there's some scenes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you might not just, leave the theater with Granny. After. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the boogie! Imagine the the marketing on that. We uh, 
first movie to actually <laughs> kill someone. Right. Um, but it's it's like it speaks to people. People got everybody's got a boogeyman. Is yep. boogeyman your your addiction to food? Is boogeyman your addiction to shopping? Is Boogeyman your addiction to that person that you can't break up with because you're so codependent upon them and the, the Boogeyman has created that gooey, dark, nasty, tar-like tendril that's invisible, but you feel it because it keeps drawing you back into this thing that's destroying you and eating you from the inside out? Is it your inability to talk about that terrible and traumatic thing that happened to you because you're so afraid that that's going to define you? It's not. You defined you. You are an amazing person. We are beautiful people. We all deserve to be here right now. And the horror of this universe, the, this thing that makes me believe there is some dark force out there, is this bizarre, consistent energy that continues to try to convince us that we're alone, that we're on this journey by ourselves, uh, that there is something waiting in the closet ready to pounce out at us. Um, but we're so powerful when we're together and that's a beautiful theme. And I want to go back to the performances like Chris Messina, uh, Sophia. So, oh, they're uh, so good. Sophie Thatcher, Lydia, the, the kids and, and Chris, holy crap, you guys, when you can bind together, you know, they're, they're so, even though they're in the same house, it's like they're, somebody made a great point last night. Maybe it was Jonah Ray during the, the Q and a, but they seem miles apart. Yep. Their bedrooms are next to one another, but they're not communicating and they feel like there's an ocean between them. And that's what's killing this family, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, yeah, the thought that goes into creating that narrative, everything just supports this massive idea and it mm -hmm. just makes it so freaking scary. I wanted to, to mention that before we went into the theater last night, I saw... Rob Savage. I didn't even recognize him. He'd been here uh, for for host, which is, I mean, that was like that was like a cultural event. It was right when host came out what over the pandemic, like gift to all of us right? during the pandemic. Oh, and that he tapped into Zoom culture. Yeah. By the way, everybody who's a fan of host, there's a nice little Easter egg when you're watching Boogeyman to host. You know what? I didn't see it until like the end of the credits when I saw credits for host and dash cam and things. I was like. What, what did I miss? Oh my God, I got to see this again. Yeah. Oh, there's that great moment when Sophie's in her room missing her mom. Yes. You remember when she yeah, lights yeah, yeah. the candle and yeah. she's got the YouTube going and I was like, Rob, you did it. You like connected us back. I love that. Oh my God, that's brilliant. Yeah. The Boo Crew will be right back. My heart, my blood, my body. I give to you, Satan. <gasps> now, the shocking truth about witchcraft, as it exists in our cities and suburbs, is exposed in Witchcraft 70. Hidden cameras probe today's unspeakable cults to document the rites and the rituals when and where they happened. Witchcraft 70. Now see actual human sacrifice on the altar of Bael. Witness the weird rites of the cult of Kali. See the sensual ecstasies of the hippie families. Watch as the Church of Satan celebrates its infamous Black Mass. Witchcraft 70. You will see macabre orgies of a secret sect of evil and hear the erotic prayers of our so-called civilized world and much, much more in explicit color and detail. See Witchcraft 70. It is rated X. <gasps> Well, 
Well, uh, going back to what I was saying, so uh, I was I was waiting in line for the bathroom, and I tapped on this guy's shoulder. Oh, are you waiting in line for the bathroom? I was like, Rob, it was Rob. He's like, no, how's it going? Like, Rob, what's up? I said, congratulations. And he said, you haven't seen the film yet. And I said, listen, man, having it get to this point is all the battle. Congratulations. Huge. And he, I, I could just tell, I mean, there's something about somebody's first this is his first major studio film yes there's an energy there's something that is baked into this i think and you've had your first uh, feature film performance you've been through this year you've been uh, uh your debut project that you've written um there's something special i think baked into somebody's first and for rob coming after this massive success that he really created himself on films like host and dash cam and salt and all these independent shorts and things he's working on before this is his big studio debut and everybody's kind of whether he perceived it like this or not everybody the horror community as well are all kind of going we can't wait to see what rob savage the genius that we all love has in store for us yes is there something tangible being on the set of someone's first mm-hmm. that is that just hits different is there an energy yes and how does that transfer into what you bring it's fantastic his in, he's infectious you know his energy his excitement his love of the genre his like study of the genre because he is uh encyclopedic in yes. his knowledge of the way that that movies work and the way in particular that horror works um so rob he when we when when I first again, I, I think I, I've said this many times now, but when I first got the script, it was a producer who I know on the film who sent it to me and he said, you we you this role is is for you. You have to play this role. And I looked at it and I said, it's absolutely not. I have no interest. I don't want to go there. It's I, I've, I've done a lot of like dark roles lately. I've had to go to some places that aren't a blast. And I just said, Dan, I'm tired. I need a break. I can't. I don't think it's the right thing. And he goes, it's Rob Savage. I know you love to host. And I was like, I know. I think the guy's super talented. I just don't think it's the right thing. He sent me uh, Dawn of the Deaf, which I had not seen oh, before. Yeah, Holy great. crap. That's such a good yeah. film. Um, and I thought and thought and thought and thought about it. And then I zoomed with um, Rob and you. He is. Yes, he he has that that magic that you know what's fascinating, though, even when you're working with um, someone on their umpteenth film. I feel like James Gunn has the same oh enthusiasm. When and you, yeah, when you when I would be sitting there on the Suicide Squad, sometimes I would sneak over and and look at not the monitor and not the action. I wanted to watch James's face while he was watching the monitor because it's like watching my kids come down the stairs on Christmas morning. Oh, I filmed yeah. it every yes. year for the last nine years, <laughs> Rob exact same thing and it makes me want to really there's a great joy i would get when when chris and i would be humming and something would be really crackling with the scene work and you could feel rob's pulse raising you could hear his breath increasing you could just feel the energy uh oh what a what a what a joy man and um rob's a generous guy you know i'm making um I've been working on this this film. Uh, it's a horror film that I'm I'm so excited about that I wrote called Hide Your Eyes, and we've been putting it together. It's a very small independent film, and trying to get independent film for anybody who's out there, uh, filmmakers. You know, it's just it's always a labor of love. It can be backbreaking, grueling, heartbreaking, but it's so worth it. And so 
been working with this incredible director who lives in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Uh, she's amazing, Erica Scoggins. She's also a, a painter and filmmaker. And I discovered her work through her short films at festivals. She had these incredible horror shorts. And I said, I want to work with that woman. So we became friends, Zoomed every day over the pandemic, building this monster together um, for this film. And Rob would like come and have coffee with us at shout out for anybody in California. You have to go to North Hollywood Horror Vibes Cafe on Lancashire. If you're a horror I haven't kid, been there yet. Are you joking? <laughs> I've not been there yet. I've Dude, seen it on Instagram. I've not been. I'm going today. I, I have all my meetings there. It's funny when it, like an exec or somebody wants to meet with me and they want me to go to Beverly Hills. I'm always like, no, you need to come to North Hollywood. We're going to uh, the Horror Vibes Cafe. Tell me they about the vibe. The Tell best is, I mean, the woman who, who opened it and runs it, it I think she was barista at a, just a regular, r- regular coffee shop. Sure. And when that place went under, she's a horror. She's a true monster kid and a coffee lover. And I guess, I don't know, she took a loan. She did whatever. She's She runs this place herself and she's there around the clock. And the coffee's incredible. The Frankenstein latte is my favorite. It's a pistachio green. Uh, I, I do it iced. But they've got they've got all these specialty drinks. They're all horror themed. Um, everything from, uh, you, you, you name it, Annabelle to Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, and they're all like, they like, they nail it. They really do. But the murals in the place I don't know who the artist is. I wish I could say and give them a shout out. They have murals that cover the walls with iconic monsters to contemporary. Sure. And then she collects paintings uh, by, I guess, fan artists of like she's got a Terrifier 2 painting. It's funny when you walk into a coffee shop and you think people usually go to a coffee shop to like work or to maybe have some tranquility or have a good conversation. And it's you like know, Art the Clown. There's Art the, the Clown. <laughs> it's the scene. No, it's the scene. no. It's a painting of the scene. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah. So I, I love that. But look, <laughs> yeah, like, these execs come in like, oh, yeah, 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 no. And they, I'm like, you know what? It, this is who I am. It's like, I'm not the, I, I'm not, the Four Seasons guy. Yeah, I am yeah. the the Horror Vibes Cafe guy. Uh, but the point of that is to say, Rob, the generosity, the infectiousness of his spirit. It was cool for me to get he and Erica together and just listening to them talking about monsters and these people both making their first feature films. I feed off that. I'm old, guys. I've been doing this for a minute now. I'm in my you know 40s. My first movie was The Dark Knight. That's almost 20 years yeah. ago, you guys. Uh and I was doing theater for many years before that. So I, I love that infectious energy and I feed off of it. And it's incredible. Um, speaking of hydrize, and you'll appreciate this as a horror um, lover and a collector. Um, I'm so fortunate because of the work I've done, become close friends with some of the people who are the best at what they do in the business. And one of the best at what they do in the business, my friend Shane Mahan, who is one of the co-owners of legacy effects they are the company of the people who protegeed under the great stan winston Mm. um these guys you know helped create some of the most iconic stuff that you've ever seen in film well we're friends we work together on the suicide squad um we put together a vampire project and they're helping create the creature for hide your eyes and it's really complicated and complex and luckily because they're my friends, they're giving their brilliance to help bring this monster to life, which means going to their, their playground, shop a lot, yeah. going to the playground, getting to see the magic happen. 
And recently for um, Famous Monsters of Filmland hosted a, a screening um, of one of my favorite movies of all time, the original The Invisible Man. From By the way, how excited are you? That Corey Taylor stepped in and, and, and took control of that Dude, for us. Oh, I mean, what? Because I was so sad. Yeah. It was gone. Oh, it yeah. was gone. And, I, and, and the last published, the last public publication of Famous Monsters, which was like four years ago, there was an article about Count Crowley. And I was so excited and honored that I got to be in the pages of Famous Monsters of Filmland. And then it went away. So they're back. They hosted the screening of The Invisible Man. I got to do the intro. And I was thrilled because i that movie speaks to me about all the stuff we've been talking about today mental illness addiction um some of the things that really haunt me in life and i I just think it's a masterpiece so i got to do the intro for it it was at the chinese theater in hollywood shane all the guys from legacy come as well as brian fuller my dear friend brian fuller was there um all my buddies all the monster kids uh we got together we we they they supported me i introed the movie um and then when it was over, Corey and the guys from, you know, Famous Monsters are friends with these guys that own a shop on Hollywood Boulevard. It's called Dark. Uh, we were just talking about it. Oh, earlier. Icons of Darkness. Icons of Darkness. Yeah. Icons of Darkness. It's like an exhibit. It's uh. an exhibit of, of props and stuff from movies, right? So they said, would you guys like to go down and get a private tour of Icons of Darkness? And we got to go through like the back hallways of uh, the Hollywood and Highland Center. We go down there, we go, we start walking through it and the collection is truly marvelous. Oh, it's insane. It all belongs to one guy, like Rich Coral is his name. Yeah, Rich Coral. Rich Coral. but the the, the guys that helped run the the place for him were giving us the tour. And it's so funny because we got a few exhibits in and we get to, I, I don't remember if it was maybe the, maybe it was one of the dinosaurs from Jurassic park or something. And they're describing something about the, maybe the paint or the way it was sculpted. And, and Shane steps in and he goes, no, um, actually what we did was I, I created this abrasion here. Da, da, da. And, and these guys are looking around like, I'm sorry, what, what? And, and I'm like, yeah, you didn't realize you're giving a tour <laughs> to, the to the guys who built this shit. And they were, uh, it was the most awesome that is tour awesome. that's ever happened <laughs> yeah. at Icons Art. Because then they just let Shane take over and he goes over and he goes, oh, these are the uh, the scissor hands from Edwards. And yes, sir, I remember when we were coming up with the design for these oh and he's showing. Oh my God. And, and, and Shane could authenticate all this stuff too. He goes, well, this is a good collection. He goes, this is real. This is da da da. We get to a, a section about Ridley Scott's Alien and, they, and they're looking at the design and how the Xenomorphs were originally designed design and they've they've got little vid- it's a really cool uh, exhibit they've got video monitors displaying some of those early trash bag tests and everybody like people's minds are blown because there's uh you know 25 year old shane in the video oh my building gosh. this thing yeah with black tarp and plastic and i'm like this is the guy who's sitting here giving us the tour of all of this the the terminator you know they 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 all like all of it Oh, that is so. Does Shane hold on to some of that stuff for himself? Is he a collector? I don't. I don't think he. Because a lot of these guys who make the stuff, you don't that end was, up turning into collectors, that right? Was so fun watching him go. Oh my god, I haven't seen this in thirty right. years. Wow. Oh, look at this thing that I helped make and I construct. And you know, uh, Swifty, Chris Swift is there, like going, "Oh yeah, remember when we 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 came up with this solution to make this thing look like flesh or this thing look like Gora." I mean, they 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 made the magic that is the shape of water. Like that 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 Gilman creature. Oh, wow. That is, that's that's you guys listening. Get this. This is artistry. This is oh, insane artistry of the highest degree. And um, that was a little 
moment I'll never forget in my Hollywood journey being on that tour and then having the guys giving the tour realize who they were. <laughs> As, a, as well amazing. as there's Brian Fuller sitting there. Yeah, exactly. Who knows everything Legends. About, about everything, especially Friday the 13th, because he's getting ready to do his Friday yeah, the 13th series. And they had yeah. a bunch of cool Friday the 13th props and memorabilia and um, makeup stuff. And and he's like, well, this is from da-da-da. I mean, how cool. Oh, what a cool group to go through that with. That is incredible. And when you're talking about a new project that you got coming out, something you're you're writing, you're working on. It reminds me of something, and I meant to tell you this maybe the last time, but I discovered um, a, a movie you you wrote, I think it came out in like 2011, and you listening can you go watch it on Tubi, you have no excuse not to watch it. Horror in um, a dramatic sense, there's definitely elements of horror though, but all the creatures here below. Oh, thank you, yes. Beautiful thank you, thank film. You, thank you, thank you, yes, yes, yes. I, uh, I have made several, you know, very low budget independent films that I wrote and that I were very dear to my heart that are um, very hard to get made. Sure. If you go see these films, you'll understand why it's <laughs> not the easy pitch when you're going to a studio to go, I'm going to make a movie about blah, 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 blah. Yeah. But I had to tell that story, that story deal. Uh, there was a dark shadow of a boogeyman for certain in my personal family. Uh, we had one of our, the grandfathers in my family was not only an abject alcoholic, he was a child abuser and in, in the worst ways that you can imagine. Um, and that infection really poisoned my family in many wow. ways. Cause yeah, it felt, it felt like it was coming from an honest place. It felt like. You, you know what I mean? Yeah, it yeah, felt yeah. so no, authentic. I, it almost felt like a documentary. I wanted to wrestle with this idea of why, why does the, and, 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 and by the way, you're never going to answer that question. Yeah. Why would somebody hurt children like that? Why does, why do people have to suffer so much? We all, you and I are very privileged in the sense that like, we know where we're getting dinner tonight. Mm. We know where we're sleeping tonight. We, I can go and buy all the comics that I'm yearning for today. Um, Tomorrow it's Wednesday, so I'll probably be going on Wednesday. <laughs> um, but there's people out there that, you know, they don't have enough gas in their car. Yeah. Or they don't have enough food coming in or the suffering that they've they've had to endure at the hands of 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 a mentally ill or abusive adult when they were a kid. Yeah. That trauma, if it's not processed or dealt with, is is um, it's like cancer. And I also wanted to sh explore lo like love even in its most twisted way, because there's there's certain secrets that are revealed in the course of the film. And by the way, anybody who's listening who's a fan of Karen Gillan, if you know Karen Gillan from Doctor Who, if you know Karen Gillan from um, the Guardians of the Galaxy films, from Jumanji, from her work in horror, obviously she was fantastic in Oculus mm -hmm. and she makes her own stuff. Uh, the party's just beginning. But in this film... Her performance to me is like, <laughs> it's, 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 it's jaw-dropping. I got to do, uh, Roger and James Deacons have a podcast. I don't know if you've ever listened to it. If you're cinematography fans, the, the Deacons um, podcast is amazing, but they had watched it and they were saying like, she should have been nominated for like an Oscar. And I agree. Oh yeah. She's, she's uh, yourself as well. Ah, well, no, but thank you. But yes. So yes, I made that film. I made a film called animals that deals with addiction and, and, and my struggles with heroin. Um, I think both of those are now on the internet in some way you can find them. Um, and hopefully next soon we'll be doing, uh, hide your eyes, which deals with all these themes, mm -hmm. mental illness, addiction, but 
imagine the manifestation of the shadow, the thing that you fear the most, but seeing it actually peel off and take form. And then um, I helped to produce. I didn't write it, but I did help produce and I star in a film uh, for all of our genre lovers out here, a real gonzo, incredible horror film called Late Night with the yes, Devil. Yes, I was going to ask which, about that. Dude, oh I can't wait. Dude, I'm going to want all the props yes, from that oh, movie. Yeah. I can tell you already. When you see... The shit that happens in that movie, you're going to be like, I need because it's all practical. Oh, my God. All practical effects, the gore effects, the the set. It's set on a talk show in 1977. So it's very period, you know, perfect. And it's one of the best roles I've ever been given as an actor to get to play in a movie. It is a juicy, fun, insane, bonkers ride that is balls to the wall. And it just... It, it goes so crazy. I got to say that uh, anyone listening who heard our uh, interview we did with the Uber producer, Roy Lee, who's behind like the biggest horror hits that have ever happened. What a genius, right? He, he was when he told us about this movie that was coming down the pike. He was talking about this one. He was just glowing about it. He was just like, like we just all perked up and he was like, it is it, what David does in this role will blow your minds and ever since then like because i guess it's screened at south by southwest correct so there were some reviews floating i haven't read a review i haven't seen any trailer foot like nothing because i'm so fucking excited to see i can't wait for you to see it i can't wait wait for everybody out there to see it i uh i don't know what the i mean it's all coming together now sure now it's on its festival run and then its release uh strategy will be coming together but I'd never really seen anything like it. And when it came across my, you know, my desk and I started looking at the vision that the Karens brothers had for that film, I was like, are you kidding me? And it's one of those that I love because it's so smart in that it's, it, it toys with your perception of reality. Like what's real, what's not, what's in whose head, what's not. Um, you know, I, I always love when it's pulled off properly, the yeah. sense of like, we're, was everybody hypnotized? Is everybody having a mental episode? Are there really, is this shit really happening? And they stick that landing, man. It's crazy. So fun. And, <laughs> and it's a wait. horror summer for me. I'm excited. We've got Last Voyage of the Demeter coming up. Dude, it's insane up. how much stuff you've got uh, coming out. Any Dracula fans out there, you're going to be very excited. To Andre know. Overdahl. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Autopsy of Jane Doe. Yep. Scary stories. Troll Hunter. Dark. Troll Hunter. Yep. And, uh, and, and Javier is 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 who gets to bring Dracula to life. So if you're familiar with Javier's work, you know he is one of the great next to Doug Jones like creature performers of the moment, right? Wouldn't you say? Yeah, I oh mean, yeah. He's a, a thousand he's a, percent he's yeah. a genius. So you're going to see the creature monstrous version of Dracula. This is not sexy Frank Langella. This is this is the Dracula that is starved for some sustenance and ooh, nightmare stuff. Since we were last here, you started your own production company. I did. I'm very <laughs> proud of it. Uh, I'll show you the uh, animated logo when we finish here and hopefully be publishing that soon on my social media. Um, it will be playing before Late Night with the Devil, as well as another thing I want to talk about briefly that I'm really proud of that I got to make. But um, my company's called Good Fiend Films. I believe the world is populated with monsters good and bad monsters we got to take care of the good monsters mm-hmm. and we got to help overcome and defeat the bad monsters good, way of putting it. good fiends i have a lot of friends who are true fiends and i uh and i feel like everybody who supports my work is a good fiend and i appreciate all the love and support i get for the 
the genre. I think genre to me is the lens through which I can explore the bigger questions about life that I really wrestle with. Um, and it gives me just enough of all the childlike wonder and mise-en-scene about werewolves, vampires, uh, aliens, um, you know, supernatural things, superheroes even, um, that I can filter all this stuff that I think about through. And it's like 12-year-old David you know, 45 year old David, 16 year old David, all able to have these conversations about what does it mean to be a person? What does it mm. mean to try and be the person it's that beautiful. you want to be? And, um, and I'm really proud of what we're doing with Good Fiend. Again, I'm so proud of Late Night with the Devil. I'm so excited about Hide Your Eyes. I'm so excited about what I'm going to do with the future of Count Crowley. I've got almost three new comic book publishing projects that are going to be announced very soon san diego comic-con is going to be a big one for us this year oh we're going to be launching in addition to volume three in, in addition to volume three of count crowley oh. um i also have um the great privilege of having become friends with the boulet brothers in recent yes. years i've always been a fan of their artistry and their work and i got the chance to be a judge on their show dragula which if anybody hasn't seen it it's one of the bellwether best things on uh shutter mm, and it's a great drag competition filth monster show um and so they are transitioning into also doing scripted work and because we're very good friends and we game together and we just um have this uh shared love for all things monster um they let me know that they were going to be producing and creating a halfway to Halloween special for Shudder, a one hour TV special. And they said they wanted it to feel like those, you know, televised holiday specials of yesteryear that if you're old like me, you grew up watching as a kid. And um, it's kind of the Muppet show or Pee Wee's Christmas holiday special um, meets uh, the Paul Lind Halloween special. And with all the gore and comedy, of horror um, and camp. And they graciously asked me if I'd participate and I got my hands really dirty. It was fun. I got to write uh, some, some stuff for it. I wrote a, um, a piece that I wanted to feel like it was ripped out of the pages of EC comics or creep show, which involves um, my dear friends at the Bob Baker Marionette Theater, you have puppets. Um, oh, did they do the puppets for the... They, they were those puppet yes, artists, yes. And that it. whole location they do, they gave us to shoot at for the day. Taryn Killam pr- brings to life this incredible creature, uh, Crypt Keeper character that I created called Mr. Whisper, who plays the organ. And uh, Sigourney Beaver, one of my favorite drag queens, she plays my wife. And, uh, and then we did... Oh, God, Steve Agee wrote this one that's great for... Uh, Frankensteinfeld. I got to play a Wolfman version of Kramer that was really fun. Dana DiLorenzo and horror. Oh God, Jorge Garcia. So many people worked on this. <laughs> it's with so us. good. Barbara Crampton. Barbara Crampton does a cooking special. Matt Lillard and Beth Dover and Derek Mears do this really fun. Um, you think it's like a swingers getaway, and it turns into like bloodbath massacre. But the boulets are brilliant. They're what we need. We need more artists that are pushing the envelope that are, you know, you know, it's such a it's such a pivotal time in like horror. And and I think horror always really excels when there's a lot going on, you know, culturally and socially. I think when there's major, you know, either repression happening or swings towards, you know, censorship happening, it's always a vital time for horror creators to stand up and make their voices, you know, heard and 
honestly, like what's going on right now with the demonization and, and, and the attacks and the violence against like drag artists, I'm honored that um, I get to be friends with some of the best drag artists in the world. Hmm. And not only do I love their art as drag performers and creators, but their monster and their writing skills are so off the oh, hook. Oh, so, so crazy. I, so. I, I, I'm sure anybody who's listening as well, being that you're all monster kids, I'm sure you all Shudder subscribers. I'm sure you've all already watched it. But if you haven't, um, I'm proud to say that Good Fiend also was a part of bringing together the uh, Halfway to Halloween special. It's so great, man. It's so good. Oh, and we got the chainsaws next week. Will yes. this air before the chainsaws? I'm assuming it will. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah right before the is next the Sunday. Oh, so, so I got to co-host with another incredible drag performer, Peaches Christ. Yes. You know Peaches? Oh, yeah. So Peaches and I um, got to co-host the Fangoria Chainsaw. This is my third Amazing. year hosting. What an honor. Uh, if you had told 12-year-old Dave DeSantis right? back in Kansas <laughs> that he was going to be a legacy host of the Fangoria Chainsaw Awards. I would never have believed it in a million years. What a gift, man. What a <sighs> fucking gift. So odd. Does Dr. Fearless get to come back? You'll have to wait and see, won't you? There yes. might be a little appearance. Dr. Fearless was like very angry. Why am I not getting the one invitation? You bring this David Dest. How do you say this idiot's name? He knows nothing. He's ugly. Look at his teeth. He has no fangs. <laughs> I'm Dr. Fearless, get out of here. This is this is my interview. I love Dr. You're Fearless. Bring welcome. Dr. Fearless. <laughs> Dr. Fearless is not... I have a restraining order against Dr. Fearless. No, you have no restraint. You cannot restrain me. I have the power of vampirism as well as... A, hey, <clears throat> get out of here now. <laughs> I wanted to touch on the fact that you mentioned uh, gaming, right? Yes. With the Blue Brothers. I've never, be, I've never really been exposed to the world of... I'm, I'm assuming I'm role playing games. Yeah, you're not. Uh, I haven't tried. I haven't tried. What what uh, what drew you into it? What do you enjoy about that? I love getting to explore your imagination with friends. Sure. I love going on um, odysseys with your friends. That's one of the things that drew me to D and D. I used to play the Marvel role playing game as a kid. Oh, yeah. um, those Robotech things were always really cool for me as a kid to explore. You're at chance because you're role playing. So there's there's this element of chance. You're using your imagination where you're going on an adventure. Someone, if you have a DM, is leading you through a place. Sometimes it's all done verbally with just, you know, dice and paper and pen. Um, but that being said, I also love the horror element. I think it's really fun to go on an adventure either with your friends or in competition against your friends. Uh, so we play as as a sober person finding ways to socialize and have fun uh is creative yeah and so eve my wife and i are really um avid gamers we're playing a vampire game lately called uh hunger which is really fun you're you're competing with the other vampires to go and eat as many villagers as possible and collect as much blood as possible and make it back before sunrise um we love playing mansions of madness which has a very lovecraftian kind of exploration of mystery solving and you're working as a team um i think that uh horrified is one of the best new tabletop games on the market i've uh, got it in a box upstairs i haven't uh, opened it yet <laughs> they did such a great job executing the the world of especially universal monsters and it's a fun it's it takes you know 30 minutes you guys will be going over the rules figuring it out once you get it and you're in you got it and then it's a great game for four or five players um mysterium i mean so many 
So many fun games. We play Werewolf. All you're friends with Dave Yarvo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Dave and Autumn and Valinda live right down the block from yep. you, and we are always trying to get together a game of Werewolf. Uh, I love, I love that stuff. I'd be, I'd be so annoying though because you'd have to explain everything to me. That's I'd be okay. the one guy. No, you know? no, no. It's oh, the first you take you. That's why people are afraid of playing. I think too because they're like, oh, I don't know how to play, so yeah. I don't want to be the one. Trust me, true gamers love sharing the magic with mm. their friends and they love teaching people because the more people they teach the more people can play in fact there's a woman in one of my online gaming groups who i don't even know personally i just know her through like a facebook group who came to my house and hosted us recently because i didn't understand how to buy a game that i had bought which i was so excited to play but i really couldn't get it totally from reading the rules and she came over taught me hosted a game it was great it's an incredible new game called blood on the clock tower if you guys Ooh, have heard of it I like the title oh yeah it's rad demons versus villagers um very violent very fun have you ever played with um augmented reality games i know like darren bowsman has kind of got uh, a little AR bit AR theater with, going on um yarvo he's very good at that he's designed an a vr experience i think for maybe it was um it was either for the Hive or for Brightburn, but oh yeah, uh, he, I think it was the Hive. He does have that. That uh, our friend Nathan Fillion's also very big into VR, and so like he'll bring over his gaming stuff. Sometimes I would like to explore it more. I think that there's a there's a there's a world in our near future where we go into a certain specialty movie theater and we all put on the masks and we get to like experience a movie in that vr mm. i feel like that's gonna happen and it's gonna be terrifying can you imagine the boogeyman oh, in vr dude, i can't yeah i mean it's gonna happen i think people would have literally yeah called 911 i mean eli roth started playing with vr uh over these past two halloweens releasing a a short uh horror film on halloween these past two oh well, actually no, there was a horror film and then on valentine's day he released a valentine's i haven't seen it film. yet is it so cool, cool. Okay, i mean i gotta what, watch it horror and vr i mean it's they go hand in hand yeah right? it's like peanut butter and chocolate right yeah. it, it's so great <laughs> but i was going to mention also that like um there's another kind of like role-playing game that um i know darren lynn bowsman who directed a lot of the saw films he does this kind of thing where he mails you a box, a physical box, and you open the box and you interact with elements in the box in the real world. You'll have actors show up at your house. <gasps> uh, you get phone calls, emails, and it becomes you'll, uh, like at one point, like there's a book written on one of the one of the experiences he orchestrated because he's kind of sits in the back as a game master. But this stuff bleeds into your world. So you'll be called into a middle of a of a field in the middle of the night and you'll get there and actors will be there performing for you like crazy that shit. is like, my <laughs> that is so my jam i don't even i got all right i'm getting in on that immediately i think yeah. he's got one that just started recently too yeah there's yeah there was a company that you i was i was looking into because you could send a gift to your friends and it's like a mystery box they don't know where it's come from what it is and then it, it does take them on a kind of mystery sure, adventure yeah. i think that kind of imaginative play for us as grown-ups is something we need to all get back in touch with because it's so fun and it's so healthy and it's good for us my friend molly elfman i'm sure you've yes. met molly yeah she's she very big into that writes and creates those she used to collaborate with um and i'm sure she still does the overlook guys yes um i love that fest by the way i just went to overlook and did uh we screened late night with the devil but we also they they asked if i wanted to come and screen anything and i and i was like you know it'd be amazing let dr fearless introduce 
William Castle's The Tingler. Oh, wow. So I went down to New Orleans and they had rigged the seats. They'd built No tinglers. way. They recreated they did, the experience. They recreated <gasps> Percepto. And uh, I got to introduce the film, not just Dr. Fearless, but Dr. Fearless got to bring the great Joe Dante up on stage to help introduce the Tingler. And Dr. Fearless created a horror host moniker for Joe Dante, which was a hit. It was, um, it was coffin. Ladies and gentlemen, I present for your amusement and pleasure. The great coffin Joe Dante's Inferno. (laughs) So that's his new horror host name. Coffin Joe Dante's Inferno. Oh my God. And he was so cool. I put a big, uh, like cloak on him and, and asked him of course, questions about like, what kind of William Castle shenanigans did you ever try to pull off with your movies? And he said during gremlins Two, the, the, the studio didn't like it, but when he had the scene where the gremlins are at the movie theater and they're setting the, the movie booth on fire and the film actually melts for a second, he was like he wanted all the cinemas around the country to have little cardboard cutouts up in the projection booth. Oh, wow. Um, that would have been gremlins. Br- oh my God. Um, so yeah, I love, I love that guy. How I'm speaking of that. I mean, if you, and you said this before in this conversation, if you can only see yourself as a horror host presenting Joe Dante on stage, yeah. you know what I mean? I know, man. It's so surreal. Like, how many times do you see, like, Gremlins as a kid, like Gremlins 2 or whatever, it's right? Like, oh, my God. You know you're living your best life when you can look back at your kid self and say, I wonder what my kid self would think of where I am right now. Because I think that's what we got to be in touch with, right? Our kid self. It's, it's absolutely true. And I think there's that version of my kid self that believed that the path towards this was just about... um hard work and hard work and hard work and um not um like 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 not complaining about your cuts and bruises and Mm. i think there's that that there is an element of that i have definitely worked my ass off and i believe in the power of hard work and discipline and and schedule and journaling and creating goals for yourself but none of this not a second of it. And I really hope you're listening to this part because I think there's a lot of people that are like, well, lucky. Sure. Yes, I am fucking lucky. And I don't deny it. I'm not going to lie that I have the privilege of sitting here today having a lot of luck. There's a lot of things I was just born with. I have a gender that's a lot easier to break into the business that I'm in. I have a you know skin color that makes it a lot easier. So all that, and that's going to annoy some of you, but it's just the truth. And I'm sorry. It's a fact. I, there's privileges that help me get further in the door. But none of it, none of it's possible for any of us, not any of you, not any of us without like mental health, taking care of your, yourself, caring about yourself, tending to yourself, growing and doing that, that work uh, to learn how to love yourself and take care of yourself because you can work your ass off and then you finally get to that thing. And if you haven't done that work, it's actually can be miserable. Um, so without my sobriety and uh, my mental health, None of this exists. And so that 12 year old me uh, who didn't have a lot of mental health and didn't have a lot of um, love for himself. I'm trying to let him sit here today with me in this interview. Let him sit there at the movie theater last night. Sometimes I Pete Holmes taught me this. I just kind of put my hand on my chest and it's like I'm touching that. 12 year old me 16 year old me 21 year old me who lives inside there's that spirit of those kids that lives inside me still who um who still got healing to go and uh and i'm so grateful you guys i'm so grateful for every second of this and everybody who's listening who's going to go see boogeyman 
from the bottom of my cold, dead little heart, I want to thank you for everyone who's picked up a copy of Count Crowley, everyone who's listening to the Boo Crew, everyone who cares about being a monster kid and knows that no matter how different we are, how different our beliefs may be, politically, religious, doesn't matter. When we get in that theater together and we see the chainsaws come out and the hacksaws come out and the demons rise, like we all get scared and laugh together. Like you said, that collective sigh of relief, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. That's something we all can share, right? Yeah. Brilliant and beautifully said. And I want to end it on this note, which I think is really uh, amazingly su- suiting to all this. But in the original short story of The Boogeyman, uh, Stephen King had a line in there that maybe if you think of a thing long enough and believe in it, it gets real. And it's funny how even on a mental health journey, you're asked to kind of reframe thoughts and twist them around into positives. It's, it's all how you take that line. I mean, you could take it as Absolutely. the most horrifying thing ever, or you can take it as the best message you could ever get. I love that. I love because it's always been read in my lens as a, a line of warning and horror. But it's a great, great motto, isn't it? Oh, it is. It's the best. Yeah. It's the best. It's everything we're talking about, man. Well, David, thank you so much. It's it's such a pleasure to talk to you again. It's a real treat for me and an honor. And uh, hey, man, we can't wait to do it again because there are a lot of projects coming up. Man. We got some cool <laughs> stuff coming up. We got some cool stuff. Do, will you get out of here, please? I don't understand. You haven't asked me one question. I am going to be the big star. You think David Desmol, however you say his stupid name, get out of here. I'm sorry, guys. I apologize. Fearless. We'll close him in Fearless. the yeah, We'll get him in the closet, Dave. <sighs> Call the cops. I got a restraining order on that guy. Go see the boogeyman in theaters everywhere where in just a few days it's very close yeah it is yeah can't wait june 2nd everybody oh my god all right david thank you man that was the boot crew podcast episode 385 special thanks to returning guest david dasmalchin we love the dude at time of release see his new film the boogeyman it's in theaters everywhere june 2nd pick up count crowley if you haven't read it already it's the best horror comic ever made production tracks for this episode provided by powerman 5000 till next time on behalf of myself lauren and leo it is the boot Crew saying sweet screams. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at TalesFromTheBooCrew.com. Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at Tales from the Boo. The Boo Crew is Lauren and Trevor Shands and Leone D'Antonio. The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Shands, chopped and sliced by Trevor Shands. The Boo Crew is a team. SP creation, part of the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. Bye. The Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network, home of the Boo Crew. For horror-centric interviews, SCP archives, weekly full cast storytelling, horror queers, genre commentary from an LGBTQ perspective, and creepy for disturbing and terrifying creepy pastas. Listen free wherever you stream audio and at bloodydisgusting.com/slash podcasts.